The reading is from Galatians chapter 2, verses 14 to 21, to be found on page 185 of the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So do keep your Bibles open on page 185 of the New Testament so you can keep following along. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for your word this evening that you spoke to the people in Galatia. May it speak to our hearts as it spoke to them. May we be encouraged uh, and may we seek uh, true life living in you as our saviour. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello everyone. It's good to be with you again. This is the second um, time we're in uh, Galatians. Whereas our third, isn't it? Uh, We had Galatians 1, then I started off the beginning of Galatians and Paul in that um, beginning section was going back to the Jerusalem church and he was explaining to the Jewish 
uh, Christians how they needed to um, act in a particular way in order to not ostracize the Gentile Christians and saying that if you add anything else, if you say, first you need to become Jewish and then you can become a Christian, he was saying at that point you're adding on to the gospel. And so today's passage adds on to that and sort of hammers that home, that message. This week we could summarize it by saying the the sentence very simply, Jesus is enough. You don't need to add anything to Jesus, to who he was or to what he did. In the passage that we just heard, there is a key phrase that we're going to delve into and really get to the heart of, and that is that of justification. And what does it really mean for our lives? It's going to unlock this passage, but it's going to also unlock, continue to unlock last week's passage as well. So before we start, let's be clear on what it means. Because justification and to justify has a sort of common meaning that we might say in daily life. To justify something, to make a reasonable argument for that you are right. You could say someone justified themselves to their friend why they were going to see their family instead of of spending time with their friend because their family member was ill. They justified themselves. In that sense, the word because is always that sense of showing they they have justified themselves. And this is a common way, but let's not be taken by that. Actually, there is another meaning of justification and to justify, one that we don't use very often. But in the Bible, God is described as many things. He's described as holy. He's described as righteous. He's also described as just, an interesting term. This is about God's perfection. This is about God's inability to go against himself. This is that God is true. God is um, always good. He is always the same. That's not to say that he is not surprising. God can often surprise us, but he never goes against himself. God is always good and God is always just. And so justification in this sense is being made right or being made just in front of a just and perfect God. When we come to God in prayer, we are in front of the Holy the righteous, the perfect God. And without any help, what do we look like in front of that almighty, amazing God? We need something in order to enter into his presence. And so being made justified, that is about coming in front of God. That is What does it feel like? What does it look like to be in front of Almighty God? Sometimes I find opposites quite useful. What is the opposite of being justified? If you were in a courtroom, 
You either come before the judge and you are found justified in all that you do, or the opposite, you find that you are condemned. Stark realities. And likewise, when we come before God, that stark reality is true. And either we see ourselves condemned before God, or we see that we are justified before that holy God. So, presumably, that sounds like hard work. The difference between condemnation and justification surely is hard. What does verse 16 say? It says this, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. And faith, that's not a one-time thing. Remember to that moment when you first believed. Was that a great and glorious moment, a moment of realization? Was it a slow drip, drip of realization that eventually you came to the decision, I think actually I've been believing for a while. But also, faith is a daily choice. Choosing to believe and not something to be lauded over other people. Paul was very clear on this. Because the power of our decision to follow Jesus, the power doesn't come from ourselves. The power comes from the majestic offering that Jesus offers to each one of us, what he did for us on the cross. Curiously, then, we have this verse soon after. But if in our own effort to be justified in Christ. We ourselves are found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Luckily it says, certainly not. I found another translation that said, heaven forbid. You'd have thought that was a modern translation, but that was actually the King James. Actually it was God forbid, wasn't it? In the King James. God forbid. I like that. It tickled me. But is this something that we've worried about? I think this is a genuine thing that we can find that we tie ourselves in knots in. What if I'm not good enough? What if there isn't enough good in me? What if I just pollute the goodness of God in me? Maybe I'd just be better not subjecting God to this sort of treatment in me. It's familiar to anyone? Ever felt that? Feel that now? Or had that in the past? It's a noble thought, but it's not biblical. I get that the idea that we don't want to pollute the goodness of God. If we truly believe the goodness of God is that something otherness placed into our hearts, it should hurt us every time we mar that image. But we should, and we should aspire to the holiness of God, but we don't discount it by our sinfulness. And that's so important to remember. There's a a sort of similar uh, moment in the Gospels which sort of helps us to understand it. It's a slightly different area of life, but it shows the same thing. The goodness of God is not discounted by 
the sin of humanity. In Luke 8, it's also found in Matthew and Mark, there's a woman who's been hemorrhaging blood for many, many years. She is outside of temple worship. She is discounted by life. She is seen as an outsider. She is seen that if she even touched anyone, she would pass on that discounting from worship. But here's the rub. When Jesus enters the room, when she reached out to Jesus in desperation, surrounded by a crowd, did A, she make Jesus unclean, or B, the goodness of God transfer out of him and transform her? It's the second. It's funny. Go back and read Luke 8. It almost surprises him. There's so many people around, he didn't even see it happen. He asks, who touched me? And the crowd parted. He knew that some goodness had passed out of him. Before the crowds, he couldn't tell to whom. And she stands before him and owns up. And what does he say to her? Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Notice that the goodness of God overcomes the things that separated her from worship. And although it's a slightly different example, it shows it's the same in our passage in Galatians. That the humanity in us does never, does not discount the goodness of God that he puts in us. And we should always remember that. I think if in a moment when we get ourselves down, we can forget that but we do that to our own detriment. Because Paul is saying the same thing here. We should try to live holy lives because not to is an insult to God. To not live up to the goodness that he has given to us is to take it as a free gift and to sort of, you know, treat it lightly. And God asks us to treasure that good thing that he has put in us but also to remember that we do not discount the goodness of God in us by our own humanity. We hold those two things in tension. We are supposed to live free lives because of what Jesus has done for us. We are supposed to worship fully as well. And so this is true freedom, knowing that God is at work, even in the messiness of life. And this is what God proved in his son, Jesus, living amongst us. So we find ourselves on page 185. And so if you look on the second uh, column, I want to go from the right at the top, but from the second, um, second sentence. I love memory verses. I think they're absolutely brilliant. I think to armor ourselves with um, Scripture, to learn Scripture, to memorize Scripture is so important. Um, when I was a curate in the pandemic, I um, in the, used to do daily videos, and in the third lockdown, I got them to learn 60 memory verses in, in 10 weeks. We were doing six a week, uh, and this was one particular one. Um, so if we go from, I have been crucified with Christ. 
So it says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Now this is a wonderful summary of faith and justification. I have been crucified with Christ. Jesus did a wonderful thing in giving himself for us. Faith is us coming to the cross, saying, I need your love. And so that's faith. I have been crucified with Christ. And then justification. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. When I stand before God, God doesn't see grotty old me. He sees what Jesus has done for us. We stand before Almighty God being justified, not through what we have done, but through what Jesus has done for us. So should we say those, um, that sentence together from the second sentence at the top of the second um, column, let's say, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. How about we challenge ourselves to memorize some scripture, to, to remember it in those difficult times, to remember it in those times when we would discount ourselves from the goodness of God. It's not us, it's Jesus. It's to acknowledge all that Jesus has done in our lives, that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, that he was raised from the dead and raised because of his sinlessness. And because God offers that to each one of us, each day of our lives that we come to him in faith. And so we say that Christ was crucified. And because of that, we are raised with him. We live in that resurrection with him. This is justification in a nutshell this evening. Our old self is dead and our new self is alive with Jesus. And it's not our own strength. It's a glorious gift of God in Jesus who sacrificed himself for us so that we could fully live. We fully live in the messiness of this world, but the messiness of this world does not discount us from his love. When we come to communion, we're going to remember our full need for Jesus. We come in faith. We take that physical symbol. We take into ourselves our need for Jesus. We take in that truth that God cleanses us, that God justifies us, that we come before Almighty God, cleansed of all our sin. And so, if for you, this is hard, hard to receive, our wholeness team will be at the side towards the end of the service. If this is eating you up or you just, you know, you want to believe but you feel that you're struggling and you want to pray with someone else, they'd love to pray with you. Sometimes it helps to pray with someone else. That's an encouragement 
Don't sort of fret at this on your own. Be a community this evening. We can bring it to God as we learn to live as justified people. Shall we say that verse again? Let's pick up our Bibles. If you still have it open, you might have memorized it already. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Amen.